0: Welcome back. It is always good to remind yourselves when you are, let's say, a quarter of the way through the year, as we are just about now, uh, of things that are just good advice or just good ideas from a personal finance perspective. You sort of think back a few months ago when you might have been thinking at the beginning of the year how to set your goals or your personal finance goals uh, for the year. Now is a good time to kind of check in, and it's a good time to check in on smart things that you should be thinking about. And to do that, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about, not me. And that's Michael James. Thank you, Michael, for joining me again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's always great to be back as a friend. And it's always great. It's always a great about money. It's
0: all yeah. Money. Yeah. Talking about money. well, talking about money can be sad. I guess it depends on the topic, but we're going to talk <laughs> about positive things, I think. I
1: think. Yeah. I, I like to be on the positive side of the money. Gains only.
0: Gains only. I like that. That's a good, uh, that's a good theme for today, in my opinion. <laughs> um, we, we were talking about before, before we hit record here, um, how you recently got people energized on, energized is a nice way to say it, on Twitter about uh the book rich dad poor dad so i was i posted one time on twitter and i don't have very much of a following on twitter but i think it's kind of fun and actually i I actually think twitter is a great little news feed for good information mm-hmm. if you know who to follow if that makes sense like if you're following the right people Absolutely. you can get really great information on twitter it's a great place for it so um I made the comment that I thought that basically financial advisors who were saying that they did estate planning shouldn't say that they did do estate planning because they don't. Um and I got a real I got some really negative reactions like tons of negative reactions. And at the time I was in Spain. So I was sitting in Spain and I'm like answering these these uh these responses on Twitter to people being very angry with me that I would suggest that they shouldn't be doing that. And how could I possibly do that? And they're like, well, what would you call it if you do uh, uh, advising on structuring the succession of their assets and naming beneficiary designations? And I, I was like responding like over and over. Just call it that. Just call it that. Like you're calling it estate planning because you're trying to like infer that you do what lawyers do and you don't. That's just the reality. Yeah. Like don't do something knowing what you like. You know you're trying to ride the coattails of somebody else. You don't really do that thing. So why say that you do that thing? You shouldn't do that.
1: People don't like to stay in their lane. That's really what it is.
0: No, they do not. They do not. <laughs> but there are plenty of people in the world who will suggest that they know things that they don't. So uh, sometimes they get a little sad when you point it out.
1: They do get a little sassy on Twitter. Um, honestly, Twitter comments have nothing on TikTok comments. I don't know how <laughs> how often you are on <laughs> on TikTok brand, but you know, the Twitter comments are a lot less painful now now that I have endured the wrath. That is TikTok comments. Really? Wow. And you can't mute TikTok <laughs> comments. Like, you can mute the Twitter
0: comments. I haven't been, I have not been on TikTok very much lately. So, I am mean, gonna have to, I have to, like, figure out how to re-log in so I can see the comments <laughs> to your videos, Michael, if I need the entertainment. Oh,
1: I mean, I think it really goes to when, I think that there's so much bad financial information um and bad financial advice that people get sensitive, especially if they've taken the bad advice and nothing bad happened to them. I think that's really what it is. Um like like we kind of already started talking about, um I don't want I don't think that people should be suggesting rich dad, poor dad as like a pinnacle of financial education or a good place to start if you're starting your financial journey. I think that that book suggests that poorness is a choice Mm. and that poverty is a choice and that, you know, that, that you can't really learn from the poor dad and poor dad is just like, so, so dumb, but it's like, there is a whole system that we live in that thrives off of the poorness of other people. Right. And, you know, we're in 2023, we have the, the full range to divest our dollars from people who don't really support our communities. And we have full range to turn our attention to other people who are not, um, who are not hateful. I think that's, I, I feel like that's really easy to, to not want to learn from someone who is like rooted their entire career in hatefulness and i'm not even just talking about the comments that he's made that the author has made like like on the side on on twitter it's literally a book that is comparing oh this is what the rich dad does because rich dad is so more strategic than poor dad and poor dad is going is only going to can only teach you these things when the truth is poorness is not a choice and there are things that you can learn from everyone every walk of life and yeah I just there are so many other books that we can talk about that are way better that someone was like yeah well rich dad poor dad taught me about assets and liabilities when I was in college you know you can just go down to to the dean or any professor in the business school can break down assets and liabilities (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, that's not something that only exists in a, a book in the world. It's
1: it's just not. And I think um, I just read a quote and sums it up perfectly when it comes to us learning where we want to get our financial education from is you say thank you with money and you say, I'm sorry with money. That's mm-hmm. that's the American way. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you are continuing to support people who perpetuate these ideas by buying their, their books, their courses, whatever. And then you also are recommending other people to buy their books, courses, whatever you're, you're telling them, thank you. You do support them. No matter if you're saying like, yeah, like we can separate the politics or whatever you, you support them because you are supporting them with money. You are continuing to let them thrive in this society because this society thrives on those people who have dollars.
0: Yeah. It, well, and it also sort of supports the copycats out there as well. Cause it's a, it's a mm-hmm. very alluring, line of thinking and maybe this is kind of the first tip for people out there trying to to look at their financial goals for the year you really ought to avoid people who tee up the basis of their advice with rich people do this or the wealthy do this and you know the inference is that therefore that is why they are wealthy setting aside the fact that oftentimes the thing that follows is literally not the thing that most wealthy people do (laughs) i mean that's My job, my entire job, 100% is dealing with uber, uber wealthy people and almost to a person, they don't do any of the things that are suggested. Um, But that's a pretty good tell because it's trying to trigger something in your brain, you know, if you feel like, because I mean, it's natural to feel like there's more to gain, there's more to get. Everybody thinks, I mean, billionaires think that that's why they keep going, right? So it's just, it's just like playing into these psychological factors for a buck. And it's kind of a cheap trick
1: it's just funny where um then they'll also use the advice of like money is not um like not not emotional, you know, you can't. Mm. But the way that these people have been able to perpetuate their message is through the use of emotion, right. So you know that that doesn't really go hand in hand. But I really do love just the setting the intention around rediscovering your goals and where you think that you're going. I just put out a newsletter talking about, you know, it's March. We need to kind of realign because January, everyone's like super excited for their goals. You know, we Mm got to get the money. We got to get the money. February is like, okay, well, January was like a trial period. It was a trial period. and Now when you get to March, you're like, all right, tax season, you know, maybe your tax refund is kind of like dwindling down for those who get refunds. I do not follow in that, that category anymore and I'm sad, but um, those kind of things kind of make us feel bad, especially if we had like really big money goals and we start to feel a little unaligned. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to to dig into that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's launch into that. And by the way, I used to try to get my tax refund down to zero. That was my goal every year because I was like, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to get more of my money than necessary. Um, <laughs> zero it's very hard. Goal. It's really hard to do. Um, <laughs> especially if you, if you earn a W W two like. It's almost impossible because the W-4 forms. Oh is a nightmare. my gosh! But the okay. So let's dig into that. So if you're gonna do, let's say, uh, not necessarily top of your list because it's number one in priority of over everything else, but like what would spring to mind for you first thing to check if somebody's gonna check in on their goals?
1: First, just check like literally if you wrote it down somewhere. Because let's start here. If you're saying that you have money goals and you didn't write it down, you don't have money goals. You had a little dream and. You, you, were, you were a little excited, but you don't have money goals, right? Um, and I, I'll share what my three money goals were this year. I do not suggest making more than three goals. More than three goals, you're not going to accomplish it. I don't care how you feel, but more than 3 is going to overwhelm you. So what my my kind of framework method to my madness for setting money goals is always have an income goal, so money coming in. So my income goal this year is $215,000. Let's see if we're going to get there. I don't know, but that's the goal. <laughs> the second goal is to increase your c- cash flow and in- increasing your cash flow can look so many different ways. Um Mine specifically is to cut down on my credit card debt. I did, It's so nasty, Brent. I, I did get some credit card debt. Moving to Arizona was, was well. extremely expensive. It was extremely expensive. And I know like, oh my gosh, how can she talk about money if she has credit card debt? This is the first time in my 27 years of living that I have had serious credit card debt. And um, so my goal this year is to pay that off. Because, you know, it's great to have $215,000. But my cash flow is always going to be not as high because I don't have, because I have more debt than I'm comfortable with. This is like probably the most uncomfortable I have been with credit card debt. I I have always been a stickler, especially since I started working full time, like with my big girl job, very, very strategic in making sure that I paid off my credit card bill every month. And not being able to do that is really really puts a damper on on me through and through but it's fine cuz i know it's going to get it's it's going to be gone very soon and then the third one actually back to your first point my third one is to create a full estate plan with a lawyer and a financial advisor but establishing a will establishing an estate plan um and if a trust is the best for me look into those options because when it comes to estate planning and planning for you know your your ultimate demise not every not just because someone put it on twitter does not mean that you need to do it or just because somebody made a TikTok video about it does not mean you need to do it so um finding out what is the best path i need to do and estate planning so that that that's the last the, your last money goal should be just a little miscellaneous goal yeah however that see fit if, if that's like you're increasing your credit score establishing your estate plan or what have you, one of those things that is like not directly tied to your income or your cash flow, but still helps your overall financial wholeness.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. I think that's really smart. And that, yeah, I mean, like you're very young. You're still super young. Like to have credit card debt, it's like you, you're young. That's the answer to that equation. Like, you know, that's the way it works. But the there's a interesting, um, you're, you're 100% right, I think. Uh, when you're thinking about financial planning, and I'm saying this from the perspective of like I talk to a lot of financial advisors, okay, mm-hmm. so this is not just me talking, but like the 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 focus on saving oftentimes is a focus on kind of the the second goal that you had, which is what do you do with the cash flow. Mm-hmm. But it's a two part equation. There's got to be there's got to be ins to be outs, and so you've got to have you have to have a focus on both in order to have a completed plan. And exactly. And by the way, OK, let me give you some now that you've moved to my state, uh, let me give you I'm going to give you some free advice, It's free legal advice. You don't even have okay. to pay me. OK, so you, you can save the okay. money that you would spend on my fees for this free advice. You go to the oh, right. Arizona Secretary of State's website and you can get on their website free health care directive forms to healthcare power private attorney and living will form. You can fill it out. It just needs to be notarized. And bam, there you go you're halfway there on the estate planning because that healthcare piece is, in my opinion, it's the most important piece. And once you're, mm-hmm. you're an adult, like you're saying, you have your big girl job and everything, right? Like you're an adult, <laughs> like that's the thing that everybody forgets that if you end up in the hospital, just because somebody's your family does not mean they get to show up or your friend does not mean they get to show up and talk to the doctor for you. And yeah. the secretary of state website in Arizona has a very nice, form that you can use in our state every state's different but in our state that is actually a quite good healthcare form and it's as valid and and uh useful as any other form so i would do that that is free to save your money on that and you don't have to pay me for that advice so you just save you know what hundreds and hundreds of dollars
1: i and just as i tell all of my audience every time take free help when it is given so you know I <laughs> why not take that because my, we, you know I, it, even in that sense, like, yeah, I am pretty young. I, I don't really have any major health issues. So I always get the question, like, why are you like planning for this now? I don't have any kids. I don't have a spouse. And it's like, you know, things can still happen.
0: You never know. Even, yeah.
1: Even, even, you never, even, you know. never know.
0: That's why you do planning. The planning is mm-hmm. for things that you can't anticipate or that that are, are low probability. But if they happen, it's catastrophic. And so you do the planning for that.
1: Exactly.
0: All right. Those are really good three. Let me throw in uh, another fourth that I've been thinking about a lot. Part of this is because there's just so much bad information on social media about this. And that is if you're if you're employed and your employer has a 401k plan that has matching to it, although even if it doesn't have matching, I'm still a proponent of this. You should use that plan to make what are called elective deferral contributions to the 401k. This is just you would think of as like a normal contribution. Uh, to the 401k. It comes straight out of your uh, your paycheck. doesn't have to be a lot. It does not have to be a lot. Just some amount that you do religiously that you put into the account. Because here's what happens. When you put it in the account, it comes straight off the top of your income. And it reduces the amount of income that the employer then uses to calculate the withholding taxes on your wages. And that means that it comes in what they call pre-tax, meaning it doesn't get subjected to withholding tax, which in turn also means That in essence, the government is writing you a check for whatever the tax withholdings would be and just giving it to you so you can put it in your 401k. That is for the vast majority of people. We're not talking about like the top 1% of 1%. but For the vast majority of people, that is like the best deal out there for saving money. Very few instances does the government literally just write you a check and say, here you go. You can save it.
1: I love a 401k. um, And anyone who has access to a 401k, please. Please just use it. I, please. I,
0: yes, please.
1: When we're always talking about becoming an investor and what does that mean? What does that look like? And I'm always shocked that people who have access to a 401k do not consider themselves investors. Mm. You're absolutely an investor. You're an investor in the stock market, and your money is continuously growing, even if it's not Wolf on Wall Street style like woo 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 woo. <laughs> you,
0: <laughs> well, you're not going to be throwing like big investor parties after you put some money in your S and P 500 fund.
1: No, but you know what? if You could get you a little ice cream and make yourself. Yeah, feel I good.
0: agree. I agree. <laughs> it doesn't need to be a big champagne laden booze fest, but it can be an ice cream party.
1: It can definitely. You can also get you a little bottle of champagne now. You get your right. twenty dollar well, bottle.
0: All right, that's Michael says that. That I'm saying, <laughs> you could stick to that ice cream if needed. But well, but you're right. And that's the other thing that I think people get kind of twisted around with 401k as well. And IRAs, too. They're like, well, yeah, that they think of that as their investment. Whereas, in fact, it's really just an account. And so it can Mm -hmm. own all kinds of things, not everything under the sun, but basically all of the normal consumer stocks and bonds or just cash. It it can Mm -hmm. have all of those. Here's one little trick that I've learned because I've been involved in a few of these 401k plans uh, at law firms, no less. Usually the plan options for investments are kind of garbage. And so Mm -hmm. most of the options you would steer clear of and you would steer clear because you would look at it. and You just double click on the investment and you look for what's called the expense ratio. And if the expense ratio is above something like 0.04%, percent, you're getting a host. Because you can easily find uh, funds that have an expense ratio of 0.04, sometimes less percentage, sometimes zero. So, But it's not always obvious in the face of these plans. And so, very frequently, the plan will have, if it doesn't have one of these investment options in your plan, you're looking at your plan, very frequently the plan will have a self directed option. And through the sure. self directed option, it will <laughs> sort of kick you out. It'll look like it's kicking you out of the plan into a different account. But in that different account, usually, it will have access to all kinds of different uh, investment funds, including index funds and lower cost funds. And in the long term, we're talking about like, you're super young. I, I'm i still very young. I'm only 41. So when you're making investments and then it's going to play out over a very long period of time, all those extra expense ratio percentages start to eat away into your return. So you want to find things that for you, the retail investor, have lower expense ratios. But sometimes with those 401ks, you have to work for it.
1: Yeah, I love that because I would never have been able to give that kind of advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I decided to, to go the route of having a, Uh, a financial analyst do that for me. Um, My friend is a financial advisor and she helps me rebalance my 401k. I was not doing that the the first two years of having one. And it definitely did help increase my return so crazy and cut down on the fees and things like that. So I think that especially if you have, if a part of your so actually, let's back up a little bit, because you said um, we're, we're talking about goals. I would include contributing to your 401k as a part of my income goal, mm. because that. That helps increase my income, even yeah. though it's not liquid cash, it's still a part of the gains that I had for the year. So in that idea, I I want people to also know to get help and you don't always have to do everything by yourself. I know that podcasts like these help, but I would have never... <laughs> ever 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 been able to rebalance my 401k um, or my contributions by myself because I didn't know what I was looking at. And my background is in accounting. I was I was I did a workshop at University of Notre Dame. Very funny. Quick side note, very funny. Um it's I'm in a room full of PhD students, all like biology. They're all doing their all different types of studies. I know nothing about biology. <laughs> and so when I'm like walking over to the to the the conference room that were that we're speaking in the auditorium, the organizer I was walking with, she's like, Yeah, you know, what's your background? We're just, you know, having small banter. And she's like, Yeah, is it it's finance and accounting, right? And I'm like, you know what? No, I am not I did not start in finance. I have taken a finance class, and I almost failed. Actually, I was—I had to work. That was the hardest class I had ever taken was finance. And I always have to explain to people the difference between accounting and finance. I'm a great budgeter because I'm an, a great accountant, and I understand how to read cash flow statements and how to read balance sheets and how to take a business through the, fi- the accounting cycle. Accounting and finance are two different things. Finance is the idea of being able to look to the future and plan those things out. I am terrible at that. I will admit it. I am a forward thinker, but some of those models, some of those rules, I don't understand. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, to get a, a, a a more finance focused person to do those kinds of things. Accounting, since I explained what finance was, accounting is what you did in the past. We're looking at, we're looking for trends in your records, Making sure everything is systematic and seeing what your cash flow looks like. Maybe we can predict what it may be in the future, but that's not really an accountant's job. We are looking, we're looking at the past most of the time. We're looking at what we did to help the finance person be able to predict a little bit. what we're going to do in the future i just had to i had to do that break yeah
0: can i can i ask you a question can i ask you a question about that though because it's really curious um do you think Mm -hmm. that because you mentioned something a a bit ago about how we make uh emotional decisions or how you know people play off of the emotions because people do make emotions i mean that's again that's not me talking that's That's like every study of behavioral psychology suggests (laughs) that that's the way we do it but Yes. Um, do you think, do you think for you, that's why you struggle a little bit with your own, um, financial projections? Do you think there's a bit of, you're used to looking at the past, something that's kind of old and cold and to make a decision about the future is an emotional decision and you need to bring in a a third party to help you kind of short circuit that emotional component?
1: You know, I've never thought of that, but yes, I, I definitely do. Um, like I said, w- my financial advisor is a is she is a trusted friend, and let me tell you, we had been friends for like maybe a year and a half before I even let her like that close to my money. I'm mm-hmm. very tight knit about because you just can't let everybody look at your money. But sometimes she does have to talk me talk me down, talk me off the ledge, especially you know going back to the credit card debt,
0: especially yeah.
1: when it came to to credit card debt because I'm like, listen, I have enough money in my investments right now. To wipe this entire slate clean. I can do it right now. I have more than enough money and I can, I can actually, cause I'm about, I have about $30,000 in my credit card debt. I have enough in my investments to cut a check and wipe that completely gone. But I, you know, my friend had to talk to me, talk me down and say like, you listen, we're investing for the future. We're looking long-term and yeah, the credit card debt is not the most Favorable right now, but that is so short term. And what we have, what we're planning for is for the next 20, 30 years and not the next two to three. And so I do have to have those conversations and do have to experience those emotions to just kind of put me back into that investor, that forward thinking idea before I just kind of check in. Uh Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just get rid of the pain. Yeah. No, but that's normal. Right. That's normal. That's normal. It's normal for humans to want to do that. That's like we're wired that way. There's if there's something in our life that's painful, we want to get away from it as soon as exactly. possible. And and money, play it, it sort of triggers the same emotions. I, I think that's super fascinating, by the way. And I think that a lot of very good financial advisors, that's where they're super good. They're mm-hmm. very good at helping people to to manage and recognize their own emotional behaviors and their own sort of emotional decision making when you're dealing with something like money and the money literally does not care how you feel it doesn't doesn't doesn't. care you'll attach some emotion to it but it doesn't care i promise but it's really hard not to do that
1: it's really hard and i try to in in that sense because money is tied to our survival Mm -hmm. you know How much, what I can do, where I can live, what I can eat, what car I can drive, all of those things depend on how much money I have. And that is an emotional thing. That is, it's very emotional to think, I won't be able to to survive if I don't have this job or if I don't have enough money in my bank. They will literally kick me out of my apartment if I don't have enough money. And that is why it's very, it's very needed every maybe 3 3 months i do like a, a, every 3 months maybe every month is a little bit too much but to revisit those goals and realign yourself get you get your mind back into your actions and say okay these are the action plans and these are the steps that i need to take to achieve what i set out to do and there's nothing wrong with just taking that taking that time to to realign yourself
0: yeah i love it very very good well michael i could talk your ear off, uh, like forever about this, but I know you also have other things to do with your life. So (laughs) if people are trying to find you, what is the best way for them to find you?
1: The best way to find me is, um, where do I hang out? I hang out on TikTok and Twitter, everything, everywhere. Is bougie budgeter so B O U J I E because bougie with a g looks like boogie to me so the bougie <laughs> bud- budgeter B U D G E T E R and that's literally every platform if you want to connect with me and just a final thing I'm I mostly like to you know there's a small age gap between us Brent you know give or take a just just a tiny you're still a young guy. But I usually like to to hang out with Gen Z young professionals. And if you are a person who has just a group of finan- of financially motivated young professionals and you just want to help them get down the right path. I love doing workshops. Like I mentioned, I, I just did one for uh university or yeah, sorry. I just did a workshop at you know Notre Dame. That was amazing. Um so I usually stop, speak to college students, college age, young professionals. And if you do have a group of of those like-minded individuals, hit me up, let me know. I would love to talk to your group and just have a chat, have them feeling good talking about money. And that's what I do.
0: I love it. (laughs) Absolutely. All true. All very true. Well, of course, I will uh, leave your contact information in the show notes as well so people can find you there and they can Google you. I promise if they just Google your name, they'll find you. So anybody who like they can't remember that Bougie is with a J and they can't for some reason spell budgeter, just type in Michael James. You'll find her. uh, The the interwebs know that Michael exists. I promise.
1: I it is. It is such a wild thing to Google yourself right? It is just, oh my gosh. But Google does know who I am. For those who, especially if you was in my Twitter DMs or not my Twitter DMs, in my Twitter mentions today, um, trying to ask who am I to not recommend that book. <laughs> you are welcome to Google me to see who I am.
0: Yeah. They're welcome to reach out. They will get your opinion. You will not <laughs> keep your opinion from them uh michael always fun i'm really glad that uh, we could reconnect here thanks so much
1: thanks for inviting me
0: hey listeners thanks again for joining me on the podcast it's fun to do it for you if you're enjoying it please subscribe at apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealth and law i'll see you there